0: What do you read, my lord? Words, words, words. Hamlet. Act 2. Scene 2. You are listening to And If Love Remains. A unique show spotlighting people, ideas, science, culture, and art. Your host... Mike Lovett, I'm going to say something obvious. All right, here we go. Words mean things. Understanding the meaning of words, the reason certain words are used, is the key to understanding. And I mean really understanding what is being expressed. It's funny, you know, some, some people believe the first language, the language that God taught Adam, was perfect. There was a word for everybody, everything, every emotion, every expression possible. There is no ambiguity there's no reading in between the lines we understood each other perfectly and we understood the world around us now english has, has kind of become the modern version of that you know early adamic la- language um while it's not perfect certainly uh english has a has a very borg quality to it it is a technology that can take any word from any language and just put it together um, in order to create and, and incorporate it in order to create better, deeper expression. My friend Jack Salducci made this point to me, and it always stuck with stuck with me. The English word for a space in a building is room. The French word is chambre. Excuse my terrible French, chambre, 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 chambre. I have no idea, but something like that. <laughs> now here's the cool thing. Over time, with the help of a very flexible language and a, an a in, intermingling population, chambre has been imported into English. And we now you have the word chamber. Now. I want you to do this, do a little experiment as an English speaking person. Imagine in your mind a room and now imagine a chamber. You're probably thinking of two completely different things. So different, it might take a a French person a a paragraph um, or, or more to explain and express what we immediately imagine or at least feel when we hear the word chamber this fact becomes crucial when translating a text into english a translator must decide whether which word fits best room chamber and a thousand others just like it what's the best word to use okay so now, we come to the case of a, a, a special case, the Book of Mormon. This is a unique example. It's unique because the claim is that it is a book about a group of pre-Christian Jews who have left Jerusalem. It's their story. But that's not really the strange part. The strange thing is that it's, and, and what really sets this book apart, is the claim that it was translated by the power of God. Now, I am someone who believes these claims. I believe it is another witness of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of the world, and my personal Savior. And it is, an, and is a witness of him uh, and his work and another uh, flock of his people. I do believe it was translated by the power of God. These things I do believe. So stay with me here. So I was reading in 2 Nephi chapter six, and Jacob, uh, uh, one of these uh, prophets that are found in the Book of Mormon, brings up a term that I and many other members of my faith are familiar with: the Great and Abominable Church. Now there are several references to the Great and Abominable Church and or the Church of the Devil in the Book of Mormon, and every implication is that there's only two churches there's god's church and the church of the devil the great and abominable church or the church of the lamb and you have got to choose whether you're going to be part of one or the other it's very much you are with me or against me situation when it, when that term is brought up so over the years there's been many who've who've tried to interpret or tried to explain what the great and abominable church is Um, you know, what's the context, things like that. Some claim it is specifically the Catholic church. Um, others claim it is any church except the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, mostly I think in, in culturally it becomes kind of a more, um, undefined blob of evil people versus good people. I'm not sure whatever that means, but that's kind of, kind of the connotation. So, so then I had a thought, why would Joseph Smith, the, the translator of, of the book of Mormon use the word church? I mean, this was a group of, of essentially old Testament people. And I, I didn't remember the word church being used much in the old Testament. So I looked it up now in the new Testament, the word that is used and translated into church is used about 120 times. You, so you see the word church approximately 120 times. I'm sure depending on the translation and other factors. What about the old Testament? Zero, none, kneel for your soccer fans out there. Okay. So that again, just made me question. Why would Joseph Smith use the word church? Why was that the word that was used great and abominable church? so i looked at the word church and it was a greek word which makes sense the old, the new testament is is a is a greek document translated over time but then early in the book of mormon it's stated very clearly that they were taught in the language of the jews they were taught in hebrew and so i thought well okay what is the hebrew word for church um and I came across kind of an interesting thing. The word is Kahila or Kahal. There's a couple of different um, words that, that, from what I gathered, kind of mean the same thing. And and again, kind of we have to set aside our American uh, Protestant, mostly feelings about what we see when we see a church because as I looked it up it's more like an assembly um, a congregation a um, in some cases even politically it could be called a Parliament okay well now I want so I've got this in my brain right and I'm thinking to myself Well, what does that mean then? Like, so I'm going to take you to to second Nephi chapter six, and I'm going to take you to that passage. Uh, I think it's in verse 12. And this is such a wonderful chapter. I should, maybe I will. Let's back up. Um, Jacob is talking to his people. And I love what he says in verse two, he says, I'm, I'm doing this, uh, on behalf of my brother, Nephi and Nephi, whom ye call a King or protector. I find it interesting that the people who are good Kings, they don't call themselves Kings. They say, well, you call me a King, I suppose. <laughs> All right. But it's on his behalf that, that Jacob is speaking to them. He says, "I'm desirous of the welfare of your souls, etc., etc." And and then he starts talking about the words of Isaiah, um, and he says, and he quotes this this passage where he says, "Thus saith the Lord God: Behold, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles and set up a standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried on their so- shoulders." And kings shall be their nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers, they shall bow down to thee, and their faces towards the earth, and lick up the dust of thy feet, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. And so it's kind of a strange thing if you think about it. Like here he is talking to a people that are away from Jerusalem. They have been they have left Jerusalem, And he then right afterwards says, and now I, Jacob speak concerning these words for behold, the Lord has shown me that those who were at Jerusalem from whence we came have been slain and carried away captive. So the Lord protected these people by, you know, having them leave, but many in Jerusalem were taken captive. And so this is weighing on, um, these people's hearts. Like, well, what, I think, I, I think what's going on is that people are as, asking, well, when's it going to happen for us? When, when is this prophecy that the Kings and the nursing fathers and Queens and nursing mothers will come to us and bow and, and, and not be ashamed and, and lick up the dust of I, that when God, when are you going to do that? You're conquering for us. I think that's what's going on. And. And so Jacob's going to answer him here, but I, I often equate it to like, you know, as a Christian, you know, waiting for the second coming of Christ, you know, second Corinthians, when, when Christ will come and put down all his enemies and put down all authority and all will rule or, or all will be ruled by him. He will be king and, and, the, and no man will esteem himself above another. And then there will be peace because he is the prince of peace. Right. So, so we pray and we, we hope, and we wait for that day to come. Um, and until then, you know, many of us, me included are like, well, when is it going to happen for us? And I think that same thing is happening here where these people are going, well, when are, when are we going to have victory over our enemies? And so this is what Jacob says. He says, first of all, it's not yet because they've just been taken away. <laughs> they've just been slain and carried away. But he says, nevertheless, the Lord has shown unto me that they should return again. And this is really interesting, especially in the context of today. Like, And he has also shown unto me that the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, should manifest himself unto them in the flesh. And after he should manifest, of, uh, they shall scourge him and crucify Him according to the word. So So God's going to come and they're going to crucify him. And after they have done this, and after they have hardened their hearts and stiffened their necks against the Holy one of Israel, the judgments, this is verse 10, the judgments of the Holy one of Israel shall come upon them. And that day cometh that they shall be smitten and afflicted. Man, ain't that the truth? Hasn't that happened to the Jews for, you know, a millennium? Wherefore, after they have been driven to and fro, for thus saith the angel many shall be afflicted in the flesh and shall not be suffered to perish because of the prayers of the faithful they because of the prayers of the faithful they shall be scattered and smitten and hated nevertheless the lord will be merciful unto them and this is the key i think right here because this is this is answering the question that these people are asking which is when will, when will we when will the the long arm of the Lord be shown for us? He says, after all of this happens, nevertheless, the Lord will be merciful unto them. And when they shall come to a knowledge of their Redeemer, they shall be gathered together again to the lands of their inheritance. Now, I think this is an incredible insight that you know, if we take this book of scripture, if we take this as a prophecy, like when is the Lord's hand going to gather Israel? Only after they come to the knowledge of their Redeemer. So I think we got to really ponder this point. And blessed are the, this is verse 12 now, and blessed are the Gentiles for for they whom the prophets has written for behold if they be that they shall repent and fight not against Zion and do not unite themselves to that great and abominable church there's the term that kind of stopped me they shall be saved for the Lord God will fulfill his covenants which he has made unto his children for this cause The prophet has written these things. This is why Isaiah wrote these things. Okay, so I'm going to pause here for a second. The great and abominable church. If the Gentiles, meaning those of us who are not of Jewish descent, if we repent, we fight not against Zion, and we do not unite ourselves with the great and abominable church. So, this may, and this is what stopped me because I had to think, well, then I need to know what the great abominable church is. I don't, I, I think it's important for us to understand specifically what that is. Okay. And so I, I wanted to, again, going back to my etymology, little research church. If we, instead of using the word church, we use assembly or parliament or congregation Um, and have maybe a more expanded view, maybe not so religiously minded view of this word. If we do not unite ourselves themselves to that great and abominable assembly. Do not unite themselves to that great and abominable congregation. If they do not unite themselves to that great and abominable parliament. They shall be saved for the Lord God will fulfill his covenants, which he has made unto his children. And for this cause, the prophet has written these things. So now to me, it all started to fit together. And this is just me. Okay. Like I'm just a dumb musician. So like if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But man, it started to make sense. It started to make sense that he's not talking about the Catholic Church specifically. He's talking to he's talking to a bunch of Jewish people. He's talking to a bunch of people from Israel. He's talking to a bunch of people straight off, you know, not straight, but but you know, off the uh, coming away from Jerusalem. He's saying that. These things need to happen in order for them to return they need to they need to accept Jesus Christ as their redeemer they need to the Gentiles need to not unite themselves with a great and abominable assembly congregation parliament okay so how do we differentiate uh, so anyway so uh, it can't be the Catholic church. It can't be just other Protestant churches. That's the great and abominable church. It can't be Muslims. I don't think it's any of those things. I think it's more of a declaration or, an um, describing how God's government works. How does he, um, assemble, gather and organize his people this is what i this is what i think he's saying he's saying you got two choices you can either gather yourselves and um be let's go back to the new testament what did christ say he said put away your mother and your father and follow after me he said i mean these are pretty strong statements that he's talking about right He's saying anyway, I think you understand what I'm saying as far as that's concerned. So when he's talking about the great and abominable church, assembly, organization, parliament, he's saying there's only two ways. And, and, and this again goes, goes back to like, how does the Lord do things versus how does man do things? Man does things by force, by violence. Government is nothing more, or what we say government, um, this this thing that, that we live under um, is supported by one thing, violence. Don't follow the rules, you will be violently kidnapped. You don't want to go to war to, to fight for some uh, politician's you know, favorite, uh, company to make sure they have enough profits. Oh, that's okay. We'll just kidnap you and, and take you to war. Anyway, we'll conscript you. You got a beef with some, some politician has a beef with some leader, uh, you know, 5,000 miles away. We'll just take you over there and fight and kill a bunch of people that you don't know that have no beef with you. We're just gonna take you over there and kill you. for an expanded empire so we could show power. So that's, that's the way of man, right? Don't contribute to this war effort. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll cage you like an animal. You don't like having 30, 40, 50, 60, 70% of your income, of your wealth, just stolen. We'll cage you like an animal. you don't want to you don't want to take a um, you don't want to uh, take a vaccine or don't want to take a shot that that we're demanding everybody take man we may not cage you like an animal but we're going to treat you like one and you're not going to be able to work we're going to make sure that no employer will will, will have you we'll, we'll make sure you don't have a bank account You see what I'm saying? It's all force. It's all violence. That is the way that is the great and abominable church It is the church of the devil. How does the devil work? He takes up the, he steals. He doesn't, he doesn't create wealth. He steals the wealth from others. He buys up ships and soldiers and generals and he creates havoc and pain and suffering. That's how the devil works. That's how Satan works. That's his plan. He wants to force us. So let's contrast that. How does the church of the Lamb work? Well, I don't remember Christ ever forcing anybody to follow him. Follow me or I'll, I'll hang you. Follow me or I'll rip your arms out. Hey, Simon Peter. Come and and follow me, and if you don't, I'll drown you in that, you know, in that sea that you're fishing in. Is that what happened? Now, you can make a case for certain... organizations that purported to believe in Christ that that began to use force against others to join and that was wrong. that would be yes, the great and abominable church. In other words this is this is not this is not a um, this is how the economy of God works. this is how the the organization the government of God works. It's through persuasion long-suffering long-suffering meekness kindness loving persuasion in fact in in our scripture it's the one of the greatest scriptures ever it says that if a man oversteps his bounds and even if he if he says you need to stop you know quote in the name of the law you need to stop because i'm a policeman you need to stop because i'm the bishop you need to stop because i'm your father You have overstepped your bounds and amen to the authority. It's gone immediately. And think about that. Isn't that true? Isn't that absolutely true? If somebody, if somebody stops you and you ask why you're stopped and they say, cause I can, cause I'm the authority. If somebody says, you know, um, I need you to do something and or, or even man i'll go extreme god wants you to do something and you don't really want to do it and he says well you need to do it because it's because i'm the authority i'm god's authority i mean according according to my scriptures amen to the authority of that man it's gone and and that that maybe I'll do a whole episode on that one particular scripture because there's a lot there going on but the point that I'm trying to make is how do you differentiate the Church of the Lamb, the assembly of the lamb, the Parliament of God versus the Parliament of of the devil the great and abominable church and man that just this is that just opened up my eyes to like wait a sec this is this is how, We need to think about this stuff a little bit deeper. Like if I'm, if I'm going to be, um, here's, here's one, here's one. What right do I have to choose a representative for my neighbor? I would say none that's overstepping my bounds. And what right does that representative have to speak for me or my neighbor? Unless I've authorized it, I would say none, zero. I mean, that's just the natural law. Unless I say, yes, you can say, if I go to my attorney and I say, I'm paying you and I authorize you to say this and do this and do that. The second he does something over and above that, he's no longer my attorney. He's not speaking for me. And I fire him. So the second that a mayor a congressman a state assemblyman speaks for somebody else according to my religion or at least how i interpret it which i think is true amen to the priesthood or the authority of that man it's gone he has no authority now he may still enforce authority he may do it by violence because that's man's way but that's not authority anymore that's just might Meeks right. That is that is null and void. I, I I could go deeper into this. He he ends up and I I really recommend that you guys you know if you're not familiar with the Book of Mormon, I mean, I'm not saying this is the best place to start, but it's a good place to start. Second Nephi chapter six. Why not? Jacob recounts Jewish history, the Babylonian captivity, and return. I think it speaks to our day you know here we are christians waiting for christ to come waiting for his arm to be shown waiting for him to come as king and to put down all other authority which which are his enemies it's very clear christ said do your worst caesar and caesar did he did his worst and christ Rose again. He said was that that wasn't good enough, Caesar. You're nothing. You're nothing to the Son of God. So alright. I guess that's my little religious thing for for the day. But you know there you are. You're listening, You're lifting. You're listening. I can. I've got a lift, and it's with an F. <laughs> you're listening to "End of Love Remains." Mike is gone. You are listening to "End of Love Remains." Gone, but not forgotten. First out of twenty-three installments requested by Dr. Levitt. I'm trying to be in compliance here because taking him and that whole organization